So today is the last day of 2023, and I want to have a little fun this morning. We're going to do a year in review quiz to see how well you paid attention to this past year. So I have a series of questions. I want to see how up to speed you are. Have you been paying attention this past year? Just this is for fun, and I'm going to move quickly, okay? What is the most streamed song of 2023? Uh, flowers. Because that's on my playlist. I don't even know who that artist is. Okay. What happened to the Titan submersible on June 18th, 2023? It imploded. You know, some people might not know, so you don't have to yell. Just, you know, like, wait till after I read it before you just start yelling out the answer. What is the new name of the company? Twitter. I, didn't you just listen to me? Yes, X. X. That's true. I didn't like the change. I like the little bird better. Okay. What is the most viewed movie in 2023? Barbie. I have not watched that movie because I'm a self-respecting man. And if there's a man in this room that watched Barbie, you can hand me your man card on the way out, okay? You can just give it up. Okay, where was King Charles III coronated? Uh, this, this, is, this is historical, people. Of course, the Westminster Abbey. Come on. Don't you follow the royals? Okay, which famous AI tool was launched on March 14th, 2023? It was chat GPT. And the end of the world is coming. Okay, what company celebrated its 100th anniversary on October 16th, 2023? I visited this place. So it's Disney. <laughs> yes, it's Disney. <laughs> My daughter's like, oh, it must be Disney then. All right, this one's for the guys. Okay, guys? What was the official Pantone color for year 2023? Come on, guys. <laughs> what was the official one? I know, I know you guys know this one, right? <laughs> you guys have no idea, do you? Viva Magneta. Yeah. Some of you are a lucky guess. Who is the most streamed artist on Spotify in 2023? This should be obvious. It's Travis Kelsey's girlfriend, Taylor Swift. All right. Which country passed China in the population this year? India. Good job. A little geography in there. Okay. For us fantasy lovers, the search for which mythic creature was launched in Scotland on August 26th? Scotland. Loch Ness. Of course. If you look closely, you can see his head peeking up somewhere in there. Okay. This last one's for my wife because she is a dog lover. At what age did the old, world's oldest dog, Bobby, die? How old was he? 31. Good job. <laughs> my wife's like, that's how long my dogs are going to live. Listen, at about age 15, we're going to go for a walk, okay? Because <laughs> there's a point where they're old and smelly. Not me, <laughs> them. <laughs> Okay, some of you think about 2023 and you're like, wow, 
I want to forget that year. That was not a good year. There, there was a lot of heartache, a lot, maybe made some big mistakes, and you, just don't, you want to just put that year in the rearview mirror. You don't even think about it. I think for most of us, we look at 2023 as a mixed bag, both good and bad. But it's in the past. So we're moving on. I don't have to think about it anymore because tomorrow is 2024. It's a new year. Is it that simple? Is it simple just to bury the past and forget about it? No, it doesn't work like that, does it? A few weeks ago, we talked about bitterness and how bitterness is residual pain and anger towards some person or event as a result of something that's been done to you. This person hurt you. These series of events have, have soured your relationship with God or maybe just your heart in general. We talked about the bitter root of bitterness and how you have to dig away the dirt away from that root, expose it, and remove it. And then replace it with the root of Christ, with love and compassion and kindness. But this morning, what I want to talk about is shame and guilt. Because, see, bitterness is something that was done to you. Well, guilt and shame is someone that what you've done to yourself. And you'd love to blame someone else. You'd love to point the finger and say, ah, that person made me do it. Or this is why I acted the way I acted. It was that person. But in reality, you did this. You did it. And you're living with the guilt. I read, guilt is rooted in actions of the past, perpetuated in the lack of action in the present, and delivered in the future as pain and suffering. It's like guilt's a bad headache. It's a bad headache. It's like you can function, you can live life, but you're not living well. Because you just have this, 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 this pain of some disaster, some, some hurtful thing that happened that you caused and you just can't move past it. Guilt. So this morning, we're all going to feel better by looking at Peter and the huge colossal mess up he had. We're, this is how I know the Bible is unique and authentic. It doesn't hide the mistakes, the sin of some of the Bible's all-stars. What we're, we're going to read about is, I think, one of the biggest mistakes a person could make. Denying Jesus Christ. Verse 60. If you have a Bible, open it up. If you don't have a Bible, we provide one for you. It's in the chair in front of you, so you can turn there quickly. We're actually going to start in verse 54. Then seizing him, they led Jesus away and took him into the house of the high priest. So Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled the fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together. Peter sat down with him. Now a servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man, this guy right here, he was with Jesus. Then Jesus, fearing that he might be in the same position, or sorry, Peter, fearing that he might be in the same position as Jesus Christ, denied it. Woman, I don't know him. That's one. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you're also one of them. You're one of those followers of Jesus. Man, I am not, Peter replied. That's two. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he's a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I do not know what you're talking about. That's three. 
and then the rooster crowed. And then Peter remembers what Jesus said to him. That before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. And then, and I think this is one of those eye contact moments where you, you, you lock eyes, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Jesus meets the eyes of Peter. I think, people, that's a failure. It's hard to recover from, amen? And Peter saw himself as Jesus' protector. And then when Jesus needed him most, he's a coward. He denies him. Imagine the soul ache that Peter's carrying at this point. Imagine the guilt he has for the decision he made. And see, we also carry guilt. And I don't know what you've done to carry guilt, but I think we can speak in generalities, right? But the enemy wants you to hold on to guilt because if you hold on to guilt, you feel unforgivable. You feel like you've done too much, like you're damaged goods, and that God can't possibly forgive you because you failed too many times. And I, I don't know what you've done. I don't. But I just know human nature. Maybe there's some people in this room and you're an angry person. And you have a short fuse. And you've said some things to your wife or to your husband or to your kids that you just, the words that were so hurtful that you know you damaged something and you can't take them back. You should never have said it. Maybe it's some type of sexual sin or sexual past and you have this maddening cycle of reoccurring sin where you have guilt and remorse then you fail again and you have more guilt and remorse and then you fail again. Maybe you have a scarlet letter. Abortion, adultery, divorce, one of those letters. And no one else knows, but you know. You know you're carrying that letter. Maybe it's a financial decision. Maybe you've been spending money you don't have and you got to pay that off. And you're carrying that. Maybe... Maybe you've poured your whole life into your kids and made your kid an idol, and now you're looking at the end result, and you're thinking, what did I do wrong? And now you're wondering, was I worshiping Jesus or my, ch my children? And you're seeing the end result. Maybe you're stagnant spiritually. Who knows what it might be? If we carry this stuff, it makes us feel almost like we're, we're unforgivable. I've messed up too many times. Maybe you feel like you're unlovable. See, this is shame. Shame causes us to try to hide these areas of our life that we're not, we're not proud of. See, it makes us feel like a fraud. Like, would you imagine Peter feels like a fraud at this moment? And here's a guy who really was the vocal person of the disciples. And he would stand up for Jesus. And now, at these crucial moments, his mouth is denying Jesus. He feels like he's 
a fraud, or maybe you feel like you've been pretending, and we try to cover this up. That's how shame works. With Adam and Eve, when they fell, the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves because they knew too much, and they had to, they had to cover that up, and that's what we do. We, we try to cover up these areas of our lives so that people don't really see who we are. So we feel unlovable. We also feel useless. Like, how could God possibly use a person like me? I've messed up. How can God do anything with this right here, this person who has failed too many times? I want to remind you this morning of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and how Jesus so powerfully loves us that he takes the most imperfect people to impact the world, to save, redeem, and impact the world. See, Jesus doesn't leave Peter just stewing in this self-guilt. He makes a move towards Peter, and I want to read about that. In John chapter 21, these are one of my... One of my favorite chapters, just because of just the love that is shown in this passage by, by Christ towards Peter. So John chapter 21. So what does Jesus do with Peter? Well, Jesus moves towards Peter and shows love to Peter. Let's read. Chapter 21, verse 1. So this is post-cross and resurrection. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, and it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going fishing, says Peter. That sounds like something to do. Amen? Let's go fishing. So they went out, got in a boat, but that night they caught nothing. That never happens, does it, fishermen? Do you, ever, do you ever catch nothing? you ever have bad luck? Yeah, we all have bad luck. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net to the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. doesn't matter if it was on the right or left side of the boat. They were throwing that net. Nope. Peter was, was fishing by his own intelligence, his own ability, and sometimes you just have bad luck when you're fishing. Amen? But now you have divine guidance, and you have the miracle working power of Jesus, of Jesus, and then they catch such a large catch that they could barely haul it into the boat. And we can't move quickly past this miracle. This is an important miracle. The first miracle that Jesus ever did with Peter was a miraculous catch. And here it is happening again. And here's Peter listening to Jesus, following Jesus' instruction. See, Jesus is restoring Peter's hearts right here. It's beautiful. Peter is coming back to God. 
And what I think is the most powerful is that Jesus moved towards Peter, not the other way around. Verse 7, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say this, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, jumped into the water, and the other disciples followed in the boat. He just like pulled a Michael Phelps or something. He's like, I'm swimming there. Towing the net full of fish. For they're not far from the shore, about 100 yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire burning with coals there and fish on it and some bread. So Jesus made him breakfast. Then Jesus said to him, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. But what I think is significant is that Peter did this himself. <laughs> Calculations are 300 pounds that guy hauled onto the shore. 300 pounds. It's kind of a manly man, right? Well, that's just average weight for me when I go to the gym, 300 pounds. I throw that around like nothing. But for Peter, come on, to drag that on shore, that's pretty impressive. Jesus said to them, come, have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. And this is now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he raised from the dead. Now, also what's powerful about this, this encounter is that Jesus is taking the posture of a servant, and he's serving the disciples. And that is our Savior. He's humble. He's loving. He's merciful. And he serves. And there he's giving this meal to Peter. But still... Things are not exactly right. So he has this personal conversation with Peter. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. That's one. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. That's two. Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now Peter was a little hurt. They've been asked three times. He says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. That's three. Jesus said, feed my sheep. You know, I, I love this passage. I've thought about this passage a lot. And I've wondered about the question that, that Jesus asks Peter. Do you love me? I've wondered why that question. Do you ever wonder things of the Bible when you read it? Like, why would he ask that question? You see, Jesus here doesn't force an apology. He doesn't say, I told you so. He doesn't say, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. He doesn't layer on guilt so that Peter is good and sorry. He doesn't do any of that. He says, do you love me? And I think the reason he asked that question, the answer it's very, very simple. The problem with guilt is that it fractures the relationship that we have with God. It causes distance between us and God. See if you can relate. When I really mess up, or I mess up repeatedly, I avoid God. I don't even want to talk to Him. I'm so ashamed of what I've done, I feel like I can't even approach Him. I feel unforgivable, unlovable, and useless. But do you see how Jesus is correcting this? Because he has this 
this face-to-face conversation with Peter and says, do you love me? And then Peter can mouth the words, I love you, Jesus. That's a relationship being restored. The quicker we understand that God is after your heart, your heart, not moral perfection, not religious actions. He just wants your heart. He wants that face-to-face relationship with you. And guilt pushes God away, but yet there is Jesus asking Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you. Then I got a job for you. And now Peter serves out of a forgiven, loved, useful heart. Do you see the difference? From a grateful, restored heart, then of course Peter's going to serve and follow him. I don't want us to miss the fact that when we experience God and we experience his mercy and forgiveness, our lives dramatically change. And we follow his commands. We obey him. That's crucial. We have to remember where our starting point is, and that's the gospel. The gospel says that we experience just the goodness and love of God, and then we follow him out of a restored heart. God's after your heart. That's, That's what Jesus is after. He's after his heart. And once the heart relationship is restored, now Peter Peter's ready to serve. Peter has a job to do. You know, he asks it three times. And that's deliberate, of course. It's obvious. Because Peter denied Jesus three times. Because Jesus is not after the band-aid. He's after uh, actually cleaning out the wound and really properly bringing Peter to a place of repentance. He's not after the Band-Aid, he's after the hydrogen peroxide. And you have parents who used hydrogen peroxide on your cuts, scrapes, any, none of you had hydrogen peroxide parents? Any of you out there know the pain that I experienced every time I got hurt? He's like, you get hurt, you don't even want to tell your mom or dad, because it's like they're going to get out that little dark container and just pour it over. I think... They got some like wicked pleasure out of seeing me squirm and watching it bubble. I know my wife likes it. <laughs> she just likes to see it bubble. They're our kids, sweetie. We should not take advantage of them like that. No, that's Jesus. He's actually going to clean this thing out and get us in a place where, we, where our hearts are right and relationship is right. See, the problem with guilt is that we don't let go of our past so that we can actually take hold of a future walk with Christ. We're so consumed about all the mistakes we've made that we can't take a step forward. Reality is, the mercy and forgiveness in the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is, the past is forgiven. It is not what you've done It's what Jesus Christ has done in your place and now what you will do with him and then we can take that step forward into a better future and live out God's best because he has a good life. He has eternal life promised to us. We just have to take hold of it. Imagine you had a face-to-face conversation with Jesus and he said to you, do you love me? 
What would you say? Yeah. Yeah, Jesus. I love you. So if we're going to close the door on our past, right? if we're going to open the door to our future, we have to close the door to our past, okay? So how do we walk out this forgiveness? How do we let go of the past? Well, first we have to close the door. And what we have to do is accept that God's grace is bigger than our sin. See, we as followers of Jesus, we're the ones who put artificial conditions on grace. We're the ones who try to add strings. We're the ones who don't feel forgiven. We're the ones who say it can't be this easy. Forgiveness cannot be this easy. We're the ones who want to make it hard. And maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, you don't know what I've done. You don't know. You don't know what kind of husband I've been, what kind of wife I've been, what kind of coworker, or friend or child or son or daughter I've been. You don't know. You're right. I don't know. But I do know the power of the cross. And I know the power of the cross and the power of Christ is greater than your sin and the power of your sin. We cannot underestimate how big grace is. And here's where church traditions and maybe even our upbringings, it doesn't help us. Not all of us, but some of us, maybe the way we were raised or the kind of churches we were in, wanted to really make you pay for the crime, right? If you do the crime, you have to do the time. They want to make us pay. And maybe the face we saw when we approached our parents or when we approached, you know, church or that pastor in church was a very, was a face that was basically saying you ought to be ashamed of yourself. When in reality, you need to see the face of our Savior. And the face of our Savior is like, I have good things planned for you. Walk in the forgiveness that I offer. He's not saying, hey, you better apologize. He's saying, do you love me? And you say, yeah, I love you. Then giddy up, let's go. Right? Your standing with God is determined by a relationship, not rules. Okay? Relationship, not rules. Grace is like being a child in a candy shop. Your eyes are wide and you're experiencing all the goodness of God. I get to have peace. I get to have joy. I get to have love. I, I get to rejoice in all things. I get to walk with God and experience the Holy Spirit. I, all of these good things are mine. Yes, they're yours in Christ. And we are adopted as children. That's not what you've done. It's what God says you are. Who God says you are. Galatians 4.7 says... So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. John 1, 12-13 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. You are now his child, and we can enjoy full rights as Christ, Christ you know, children of God and being co-heirs with Christ. And now we could have experience forgiveness and mercy and the newness of life every day, all the time. You are forgiven. You are loved. You are 
used by God for his glory. That's good news, right? We just have to take hold of that, close the door on the past. Now, please, we're not burying the past. We're actually closing the door on the past, saying, now I'm stepping into a new future with Christ and seeing him work in powerful ways. God saves you from your past so you can step into your future. God is a forward-looking God, amen? And that's why it's so remarkable to be followers of Christ because the God we serve is a forward-looking God. God. Qualification for God is not a perfect past, but experiencing his presence in your life now. God's in the business of using imperfect people to impact the world, so that's all of us, amen? And that's why I like this miracle of, of, of the miraculous catch so much because you see the attempts of Peter by himself apart from God and then you see when Christ steps in in the miraculous catch and I really believe that there are miracles that are going to happen this coming year I believe that God's going to work in such miraculous ways that you'll be you'll be amazed to see how powerful how powerfully he works when he steps in. Like, I'm saying, healed and restored marriages, healed and restored bodies, financial blessing. I'm saying, true heart change in areas where we need to see victory. I'm believing that God's going to move in a miraculous way. I, I believe it. Because there is this greater victory if we just step into this, right? Your story is not about a story about failure, but about God's victory in your life, through your life. Okay, 2023 had some stuff in it, right? Maybe some stuff they're not very proud of. But we're going to learn from that. We're going to grow from that. We're going to see God's wisdom and instruction and guide us as we then can step into 2024 and, and see God work in miraculous ways. Are you with me? Okay. What I need to do, though, is I want to just take some moments and pray. I think we all want to experience the miracle working of power, miracle working power of God. But I want us to pray right now and just really seek forgiveness. I don't know what your past is like. I don't know what your past week, month, or year has been like, or maybe it's been multiple years, but I know the heart of our Savior. So I just want to take some moments right now and pray for us. Pray that we can let go of our past and take hold of our future. Let's pray. Father, right now I know that there are hearts that are hurting. There's stubborn hearts in this room. There's guilty hearts in this room. There's, there's hearts full of shame and bitterness. And just, Father, I, just, I pray that right now we can just be honest and not try to hold back. Uh, no more walls, no more hiding, no more covering, no more shame, no more hiddenness. No, we're going to just lay this before you and be honest. We're not avoiding you. We're coming to you and we're saying, yes, yes, we want forgiveness. Yes, we want a new start. Yes, we want to follow you. Yes, we love you. We love you. So Father, I just pray that we will see that there is something better and we can 
to take hold of that better thing by just by simply taking that step with you. Father, we know that it's all the Spirit that transforms hearts, transforms lives. So we welcome the work of the Spirit into our hearts, into our lives. We know you're there. We're just giving you more access. We're giving you more control. We surrender. We surrender to you. So remove that past, that stain, though it might be like crimson. I pray that we may live in the the whiteness of snow. Father, there's the new heart. And now, Father, I just pray that we could take a step forward in victory and see you work in powerful ways. I pray this in Jesus' name.